Greetings out there, all you uncut gems. It is I, <laughs> the subtle doctor, along with my ever-present partner, the hardest working man in pod business, a jewel of a fellow, Shadon. <laughs> well, I do have a very polished head, so it's clearly been well looked after. Not heat-treated, though, as it turns out. That's never happened, I'm pleased to say. Your soul has been heat-treated, because it's worth more. Oh, it, it has been. It's been through a bit, but it's still there. It's still kicking. But anyway, hope you're all doing all right, folks. Uh, quite actually excited to talk about Jeweler Richard, too. Like, it, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know. D- yeah. Diamond Dick Part Due <laughs> Diamond Dick turns part. out to the, be the DDRD. Uh, quite delightful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, this is Watery Death Show, if you didn't know. This is our second stream series, edition number... Um, what are we on three? Yeah, this is season. This one? is season three. Yeah, that's why I, I, I uh-huh. label them as seasons whenever I make uh, or mix down the uh, MP3s. Yeah, season three, um, covering the case files of jeweler Richard and Shadon, myself, and a not insignificant contribution from Discord member uh, OKK mm-hmm. are going to combine together to. Tackle this episode. This is a power-packed episode of Jeweler Richard. There's a lot to cover, a lot to talk about. Um, I want to ask you, Shadon. Mm-hmm. Or actually, before I do that, just as a quick, a, a very quick intro, because every episode is always someone's first episode. Uh, in Second Stream, we are not about plot summary. We are not going to exhaustively run down everything that happened in the episode. Although this episode we might actually do because it, we have a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. But it's not an obligation, right? In Stream of Thought, we very much want to talk about the creatives and, the, and summarize the thing for posterity. But here we're just going to jump straight into discussing what we found interesting. So what did you think of this episode overall? I really liked it. I think it was definitely a step up from the first one. But I can, again, as much as I saw with the first one, I can see where this material is abridged. And I'm talking even before we received our, like, you know, dossier of information, so to speak. Or Hell, let's use the lingo of the show. Let's just call it an evaluation, you know, from OKK. Okay. Like, you know, when yeah. we receive, like, the actual, um, you know, lowdown on the source material that this came from and what was covered in that versus what is covered in here... Even before I learned of that, I could tell that, like, you know, things were missing that should very much have been included. There's a particularly, like, notable and egregious example uh, that has been noticed in other reviews of this. I'm just going to give a quick shout out to Vry Kaiser of Anime Feminist, um, who I think is an Yo. amazing, amazing writer. Uh, so yeah. when I say this, um, I'm not being disrespectful. All I'm going to say is that I believe that they <clears throat> mentioned in their review of this episode that, uh, just to get ahead of time, like, there's a certain character who's completely omitted physically from the episode like they are mentioned but we never see them either in terms of a flashback or them being physically present with the other characters that we see there and i am are they called akashi yes akashi that's right right. okay and Mm -hmm. i am in complete agreement with rai that that is an egregious mistake on the show's part Mm. but what i think was missing from the anime femme review uh and again i bring this up not to criticize rai's writing only just to compliment it rather and this is something Mm -hmm. that k in turn uh clued me into because i wouldn't otherwise not known myself this character was indeed given extensive uh material coverage in the actual original novel as opposed, like, you know, to the point where we get to have scenes of them interacting with the other lead female characters this episode, whose name is Mami. So they should, for reasons we'll elaborate on when we get to that, they absolutely should have been included as a flashback or some other, you know, 
method of being in the episode proper. And I actually have a, a working idea of how one would accomplish that. But I also think it really goes to show that Jula Richard's material, as good as it can be, and indeed it's something that it does shine through, insert your own gem joke here, uh, you know, hey, hey. Uh, like as good as that shines through, I do really think it's constraining against the format that they're trying to shove it into, where they're trying to cover one case per episode, when really they demand like expansion into more running time. But, well... Have we uh have we found out how long that the show is gonna be yet? Um, I'm the thing is, I'm gonna assume it's a single course, and I say that because if it was two course uh, anime, then it would actually fit into two. the uh, or the core even yeah or two season yeah, tw- two, okay, yeah, yeah. two course according to um according to God Himself uh you know using the the voice of my anime list we all know. Mal is is basically divine. Um, Twelve episodes, mm-hmm. so you heard it straight from the voice yeah. of God, my anime list. Mm. So I'll I'll gain that later. Um, one thing we should probably do as well, Doc, is we actually have quite a number of Patreon questions that we should cover first before we get into our individual talking points. Sure, sure, I agree. Um, but I want to first address some stuff you said, and then give my overall impressions. Um, yeah, the adaptational stuff. Um. And I think just to just to make it super clear to the listener who may have not heard you talk about adaptation and reviewing adaptations before, um, all of what you're saying is not meant to justify the omissions of that stuff in the episode. Mm-hmm. Basically, you were just saying that this stuff exists and it should have been maybe adapted or ideally, right, in an ideal world, we would get that stuff in the adaptation. Um, but it's just here. It's just this extra context from the original story. But we can't really give the anime a pass for not including it. In fact, because it exists and is, the ideas are out there, it's not like someone just didn't think of it. That It just was cut. Like, it, it makes it almost more egregious in some ways. Yeah. Um, but but we have to judge the adaptation on its own two legs, so yeah we we it, if that stuff not being there detracts from the episode's effectiveness and I think it does, we just have to call a spade a spade and mm-hmm. you know uh, call it like we see it here. Um, and I do think I, I have some sympathy though, having said all that for the adapters because. They got 12 episodes to cover what I think is a lot of material and just going on pure maths, right? If they're going to say, all right, we have 12 episodes, uh, there are X number of novels, so you have to do X number of chapters or pages per episode. It's going to lead to some really hard decisions about what gets cut. I have to add in on that, just two things I want to note. This episode, and indeed the first one now I think about it, they are very, very tightly packed in terms of what goes on. I can't think of much that you could actually cut out to replace with something else or in turn losing something. It's not, you know, a win-win scenario. Like, everything in this episode exists, I think, to serve a point. Even if it's just, like, light relief here and there, we can't have it be continually dour. I, I think it really does come across to me more as a constraint of time rather than the people who are adapting this show misunderstanding the material or not getting what's important and bringing across the most important things first. Now, 
I should stress, I could be wrong on that. I certainly haven't experienced the original material. I'm relying on secondhand info here from OKK, who is very passionate about Jeweler Richards. So you probably would be best asking them directly uh, for how they feel on it. And in turn, like, you know, whether or not they did include the right parts versus the wrong ones, so to speak. Um, but the other thing I want to mention as well is, do you know what I, this show is giving me vibes of? Um, and you and I have actually covered it on Stream of Thought. I'm referring to Sarah's and my. Because okay. you and I, like, I think we remarked at least once during Sarah's and mine, and it certainly was a point made afterwards, I remember, by a couple of people I know and respects, that Sarah's and my very, very good show, don't get me wrong, I think it was my second favorite of 2019, just behind Beast. You know what? I'm just, I'm going to step over that. Great show. Oh, yeah. Great show. Yeah, great show. But I think it's also fair to say that it was stimmied a little bit by its limited runtime, Ikuhara, like, as a director, I've noted, like, from what people have said to me, is a man whose, like, returns become more exponential as he gets longer, like, runtimes for his series. You could argue. That's so funny. I've heard people say differently. Like, I've heard it go both ways, but I've heard more people say that he's better when condensed. I do admit, though, like, I'm only operating on the knowledge of having watched two of his shows, uh, the other being Penguin mm-hmm. Drum, so... Again, my very limited scope here being what it is, but I still think that Sarah and Samai, like had a lot they wanted to talk about and just had no time to say it in. Mm. And I feel that... Yeah, I don't, I don't have an opinion on the matter because I, I like all forms of Ikuhara. Basically, mm. it's hard to rank them. So I, I don't really... I haven't thought too much about, like, um, is this show better or worse because it's longer or shorter? Yeah. I just sort of enjoy it because I'm... Um, not as smart as a lot of people that engage with Ikuhara stuff on a deep level. Oh, you'd send yourself too short, man. But I mean, like... Oh, um, oh, sorry, no, you go ahead, then I'll talk. But I mean, like, I'm when I say, like, you know, that Sarah's and I, like, uh, you know, felt like it was struggling against time frame, I'm talking just in, in a vacuum on its own, not as comparison even to Ikuhara's other shows. I mean, there was stuff that you and I talked about that seemed to be addressing, like, mm-hmm. in the very early, like, episodes about materialism versus connection that it never then really got to. And in turn, also, yeah. uh, there was material about Rayo and Mabu's, like, you know, history with, uh, why can I not remember her name? What was the name? Oh, Sarah. Sarah, right? Asusa Sarah, yes, thank you. Asusa, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, like, their relationship with her, which was covered in a manga instead, but if there was more runtime, you could have put that in the anime itself, because I feel that's quite key context. Yeah. You can see it what It got I mean. across a lot, but it, I, it, it, it said quite a lot, but I think... Maybe didn't like fulfill all the promises it made. Yeah, and that ironically could also apply to this very episode we're about to discuss. Do you see what I mean about how like time is the enemy of these kinds of shows? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a a good way of putting it. Um, but still, in all, like you, I really liked this episode. In fact, offcast, I remarked that I love the fuck out of it. Mm. Um, and I agree that it is way better than the pilot, which I did not think was bad. But here, I just, it's like, I i think you mentioned last time, like, this episode, or the pilot episode had to do the double duty of telling a story yes. and introduction. But now that we've got all the intro shit out of the way, it's just, like, you know, from the jump, get into the story, get into the characterizations and the themes. Um, and it was really good. Like, I didn't really find myself, uh, like, last week, I didn't find myself too distracted or bored buy it um i thought it was pretty compelling and yeah i'm into this like you know Sagi as like the tea maker while you know richard like 
shows off his multilingualness and beautiful people show up at their door all the time. This is great. But like you and I have said previously like about how this show um, is in of itself kind of a Sherlock adaptation in its own right. Um, in probably more the same way as House MD. And it is working for me. Uh, I actually felt really strongly for Mammy's plight at various points this episode and some of the sc- stuff that she was discussing. Granted, I, of course, am not in the same scenario as her since I'm not a uh, bi or gay. Um, but I still, like, some of her lines really did touch me. And e- again, even though, like, her story has been atrophied somewhat because it omits, like, the key character that's, like, responsible for her worldview and, like, her life experiences and the pain she's going through... I still felt for that. I really did. And I think there's a really, really powerful moment um, like behind the way in which the gem, the ruby of this episode is used as symbology for that, which I will cover later. Like, that's a big thing uh, for me personally. Okay, well, um, let's get into it. Um, I think the first point that is worthy of discussion, Tanimoto. Oh my God. Like so cute i have in all caps in my notes like what a delight like can she be in every anime Mm. i mean like so cute so fashionable like so but when she gets when she starts going off on one when she's talking about gyms and she just becomes like hardcore serious i'm just like stood up and I want to be a character. I'm, I'm in just, that I'm just saying, like, fascinating. Like, Tell grab... me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to grab all the boys in the room and be like, "Look, this is prime wife material, you guys. Somebody <laughs> needs to marry this girl before the show ends, or y'all are all out to lunch, well, everyone." Well, um, I'll just say two things. First off, uh, like the kind of women I personally like and feel most attracted to are the ones who are deeply enthusiastic about a topic. That doesn't even need to be mm-hmm. gems. It doesn't even need to be anime, necessarily. I mean, that helps, sure. Or beer also helps. I'm just kind of listing out my details here, by the way, in case there's any ladies in the audience <laughs> who might be interested. Just saying. No, I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, so I find that character trait of hers very appealing. Um, but, I mean, come on, Doc. You and I already know what's going to happen at the end of this show. Seiji, you know, is he going to go one way? Is he going to go the other but we know really what's going to happen. We've got two gem lovers in this show. They're going to meet. Oh, no. They're going to meet. No. And, they're, and the ending of the show is just going to be them holding hands, Richard and Tanimoto. And Seigi, he's going to look like his heart has been crushed like a Coke can. He's going to retreat into the arms of his like guitar-carrying buddy. That was an extra and given. He's just going to um, swallow the uh, pink sapphire that he got. <laughs> Don't let it happen. Listen, I, if she does, can you blame her? I mean, would you look at Richard? He makes a damn good royalty. It's a, he's a fucking badass. Like, Kay mentioned at one point that in the novel he, like, you know, drove up in his Jaguar at some point. I'm like, well, he has a Jaguar? We haven't seen his Jaguar. Can I, can I just, I have to say, like, for, we had a wonderful discussion in our Discord where I misread that to say that he had a Jaguar is in a big cat. And everything that followed from that point for the following hour of just me hammering out my keyboard was just hilarious. It was like, you know, a group effort of silly fanfic where we imagine that Richard just, you know, like, say he comes in one day and he's like, hey, Richard, I just go, oh, Jesus, there's a Jaguar there. And it's just, and Richard's just like sat there stroking this giant big cat, like this black as night. And he just goes, what? What's the problem? You've got Jaguar You're not there. not supposed to be prejudiced against anyone, including jungle cats. <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
the country of origin should not matter in this business. Yeah. Segment. If it's a cat, it doesn't matter that it's like three times the size of a normal one. It's also an apex mm-hmm. predator. You know, that's not a big deal. You're just very narrow-minded. And I think that you should be ashamed of yourself. As, you know, his Jaguar starts mauling Segi half to death. <laughs> Please mm-hmm. go ask God forgiveness for your words and deeds. <laughs> and no pay for today. Ah. Uh... All right, shall we cover some uh, patron questions then? Let's do it. All right, so I have the questions up here. Uh, I'm going to start uh, with one here from... Ooh, this one comes from OKK. And I'm just going to have to read this out as written uh, and then try and, like, you know, do my best with it. So here goes. As is the norm right. for this kind of show, one of the things that end up getting discussed in comments, of course, since it's started airing, is... Is... This. Gay. (laughs) I'm doing it like that because Kay actually wrote it in both bold and italics with numerous question marks. Uh Like cashing all the literary credits on that one. So, you know, getting that good use of that keyboard. Um, But also, just as a quick follow-up, Sid Sensenet, it's still early days. But I thought I'd ask here what you think about the Richard Sagi and Sagi Tanimosa relationships at the current point in time. And if you have any ideas of where they might be taking it. Oh boy. That's the thing. I I have no idea. <laughs> like we've already been shown a canonically textually by character. Mm. So that's a thing in this universe. So maybe well, I, you know what? Actually, let me take a step back. I actually don't know if in the anime it's conclusively shown that she's bi, she might just be gay. Uh, Akashi that is. Like and forcing herself to try to marry someone, you know what I mean? Mm. Like it's. I actually, I, I actually I don't know think if she was really attracted. I to him. think she, I, I think she is gay because she does say like you know our bodies can't lie to ourselves, and I think that exactly. I think that yes. seals like yes. a pretty conclusive statement to say that she's totally. not physically like the, attracted the vegetable, to. Totally, yeah, the vegetable garden in the desert really does feel like you know I'm trying, I'm trying to, but I don't. I don't feel anything. Yeah, if, if she was bi, and uh, by the way, this is not me, like, you know, disparaging people are bi, but, like, we get scenes of her, like, you know, feeling, like, disoriented by all of the het couples that are walking around the city. And oh, if she yeah, was bi, I don't yeah. feel that would have quite the same punch. That's uh, but, totally but fair. We're not so, answering... uh, retract everything that I said, but but just the back to the question, right? Um, where do I feel they were going? Well, I, I guess... Um, you know, Richard and Segi are on screen together a lot, and they were the first of these two pairings to meet in terms of uh, the chronology of the show, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So you would you would assume that would be the one they're going to lean into, but like, as with most of these shows, I don't have a lot of faith that they're going to be textual and explicit about it. No. But... I mean, even Macross is guilty of, like, you know, not committing to its love triangles at the end, you know? So, Mm -hmm. and that's our main experience of dealing with this kind of stuff. Uh, Which leads me to my answer to Kay's question, which is... I don't know if it is going to be Richard and Seiji or Seiji and Tanimoto. Uh, It could even be none of them, to be quite honest. Um, But part of me thinks that if, you know... Because I think that this show has shown itself to be pretty progressive for the material it's covering... Uh, especially with some of the statements that Richard makes and also things that like are inferred from the gemstone in this episode, which again, I'm going to save yeah. for later. So I don't know which direction ultimately they are going to go in. 
If they do, you know, go in one, though, I want it to be conclusive and definitive at least one way or the other. Like, if, you know, if, say, he ends up with Tanimoto, for example, like, okay, you can argue, well, it's this kind of relationship, whatever, you know, it's we've seen it all before, it's, you know, buttered bread, who gives a <laughs> fuck? Um, but I would prefer at least that that happen and be, like, you know, a concrete thing. And by the way, Kay's read the entire... It's never gonna happen. Yeah, the Kay's read... Kay, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kay has read this material, knows the answer already, and is probably, you know, just, like, tearing, tearing the poor air out, like, you morons! You know nothing! Um, but, I mean, that's what I would like to see. I want it to be conclusive one way or the other, because... I do agree that I think that having it be, like, undecided at the end purely for the sake of, like, having the perpetual, like, you know, ship argument, you know, which one gets to leave port, so to speak. I don't think that's as interesting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> which one gets to leave port? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've never heard it, but that's what I came up with it just more. now. <laughs> it's so good. Which one gets oh the champagne God. bottle smashed against it? <laughs> oh, which but, gets christened. But yeah, I, what I mean to say is, like, for me, like, best best girl arguments, when we're talking about, like, you know, shipping arguments, they have their place as fun, like, you know, fan conversations. That's absolutely fine. But I'm personally more interested in, like, you know, the finality of a decision to pick one person over another and what that means. Indeed, that's what we get in this episode, funnily enough. That's why it's so interesting to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I would prefer, like, whatever happens, that at least there is a definitive end point where one of them, one of these pairs happens. Or indeed, well, or indeed, if it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen because it's a definitive decision rather than just existing as an unanswered question, if you follow my meaning. Sure. No, I, I do. Um, the, the Alto move. Oh, <laughs> the man. The there's, there's, a reason, there's a reason the films have some content that is significantly <laughs> better than the other. Even if, you know, oh, even if, you know uh, Wings of Goodbye and The False Songstress so uh, end, you know, on the most bittersweet of notes, like, hey, we made a conclusive decision and both of them are gone. <laughs> uh, fuck you all Shoji Kawamori um, you know the only wine he drinks is the tears of his fans <laughs> um, here's a thing though uh, maybe some pushback I don't know that the romance is what I find the most compelling about this show like or even it's kind of driving like aspect that I don't necessarily think it's what moves the story along mm. it's just sort of this background romantic tension so i i think it might be like you said this is really fun to talk about and clearly the romantic tension is a thing that they are doing mm. and deliberately but um if it doesn't happen uh i, I don't think it would like torpedo the story or no like, no sort of cut the thematic legs out from under it or anything like that um no, it, it would just be a sort of side disappointment, yeah. if you will. I mean, I'm speaking strictly for myself here as a CISAC guy who, you know, the um, the shipping between Richard and Sei, for example, is not something that I'm personally interested in, like, in that way. But never mind what I've said. Like, we have had at least one of our patrons, like, mention how um, they find it really captivating just to have Richard on screen. Like, you know, that he is just that kind of, like, refined gentleman. Um. So this stuff isn't strictly made for me anyway, much in the same way as, you know, we were talking about given how it's not made for me. So take everything that I'm saying with the pinch of salt is and seek out other people's opinions, um, is why I'd say to that. 
I just think that the most satisfying, or sorry, the least satisfying thing it could do would just be to have it end as it begins with something that's inconclusive in one way or another. I would very much like to see something definitive, even if it's just the case that, say, he says, you know what, I'm maybe not necessarily interested in either of them, um, for what could be very legitimate reasons, you know? Or if he did that, he would just be a fool. Well, Maritanimoto, Maritanimoto, no. do it. Somebody, please don't make me become an anime person to do it for you. You're married yourself, <laughs> Don. What are you do doing? It. What are you doing, man? <laughs> Honestly. Oh. Uh, okay, so thank you, Richard. Okay, I hope that I hope that's given you a good answer, and I hope that you've not like torn all your hair out, reckon, re- thinking yourself. They're so wrong. They have no idea what's coming yet, and they've just made the worst prediction possible. Uh, uh, the next one we've got here comes from Kate Rose, and Kate says, what did you think of the royal milk tea emphasis? Um, I have a couple of thoughts on this. Um, I think, first off, like, it's not, like, you know, a bad thing, in my opinion, for a creator simply to have, like, you know, some sort of aesthetic or kitsch that they're into that they just want to translate into their work, which is, in this case, the finer things in life. Like, Royal Milk Tea, that is refined, you know? It's quite cosy. I mean, I'm a, I'm a British guy myself, and I don't actually drink tea, believe it or not. I don't even drink hot drinks. But it is so... What? No, I don't. Get out of here. Okay. That is that illegal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just fucking with Well, you. I also don't believe in Brexit, so I suppose technically that's also, you know, something against me. I don't really care for my own country, so... Not even... No, not even crumpets? Oh, crumpets are great. Uh, I'm just talking about hot drinks. Can you have crumpets without tea? Yes. Can you just go, a crumpet? Um... I don't think these I, tea rooms, as you're imagining, don't really exist in Britain anymore. <laughs> but you can certainly get crumpets for yourself and have them in a toaster if you wish. And I have had them in the past and they're lovely. Um, so here's the thing, right? So first off, I think that it's simply something that, like, you know, the author's cultivating, like, you know, this is create, you know, it's like when you create a character for yourself, like, you know, an OC, like, you know, someone you you find appealing to your own sensibilities. Granted, I, again, could be reading into this massively and presuming a lot on the author's part here for Jula Richards, so please take that, you know, uh, with a grain of salt. But I think the other thing as well is that I think it also might serve as a way of training Sagi into a little bit of a routine of sorts. Like, the very, like, Richard has a very, like, strong sense of structure for his business and also the way he does things. Um, and... Royal Milk Tea, you know, like, I have no idea how it's made. I'm sure that I could probably find out if I felt so inclined, but I'd never end up drinking it because I... You have to, you know, milk the queen. Oh, I... No! No! (laughs) Oh, my... You did not just say that! Oh! Unfortunately, I I did. I feel like I'm gonna throw up. Why did... She's fucking 90-plus years old! It's it was a more pleasant task in I, days gone I, by. I, I guess I'm gonna. I'm going. <laughs> Why am I allowed to talk? I am going to. Sh- <laughs> I am going to shove like four different sticks of super glue up my nose and breathe until my brain just disintegrates. And that even then will not scrub clean the horrific image you've just instilled in my mind. You should be tried oh. at the fucking Hague, you war criminal. <laughs> I mean, Christ almighty, Doc, you could literally be handing a nuclear football to ISIS right now and you would have committed less of a crime than giving me... Oh, right, okay. I am calm. Maybe walk that back. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm calm. I'm calm. No, no, I won't walk that back. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you you went you went that far. I'll go that far in return. Like you know. Okay. All right. You know, eye for an eye and all that motherfucker. Um, <laughs> but no, I think like also it's just to get him like into a routine, train him like you know, follow formula and all that. Such in the same way as you know, like how he has. Um, certain mm-hmm. standards for etiquettes, you know, when dealing with his clientele. And, of course, in turn, like, you know, the royalty emphasis is also in part, like, you know, to help him, you know, network with these clients in turn. Like, you know, because they're very high-class people from what we meet in this episode. We've got the, uh, I think these, I'm, he says it's Arabian. I was going to say Saudi, but it could very well just be Arabian, so I'll go with that. The Arabian king, for example, um, the other high-class businessman. And then they're dealing with, you know, like, priceless jewels and stuff like that. So I think that, you know, a certain amount of that comes with the territory as well. Um... Mm-hmm. What I think is interesting, though, is we don't necessarily get a sense that this is what Richard is personally into, like, that's his favourite drink. And that is not a bad thing, by the way. That could potentially be, like, you know, an element of fleshing mm. out his character later on. Like, how much of this is a kitsch that he puts on for the for the sake of appearances, bearing in mind we are, of mm-hmm. course, dealing with, you know, assessing jewels and all that and finding out if they're fakes or not, uh, versus, you know, like, what is actually his personal preference that he just likes to share with everyone else. Who can say? Very intri- That's intriguing. Um, I-, I hadn't thought of that. I was just assuming, like I have in my notes, that like, ah, these Sherlock types and their weird food preferences, right? <laughs> the fucking fruit all over the rice in Kabukicho is a recent example. It's like, okay, we have to mix the royal milk tea just so. But um, do you think there's anything to the idea of like... You know, like you said, it's some kind of lesson for Segi, and it sort of maybe parallels with the idea of, um, I'm trying to think of how to make it join up with the lesson about the gemstones and uniqueness of gemstones and there being aspects of our own self and personality that we can change and aspects of it that we can't change. I don't know. I'm trying to make those join up in my head because I feel like there's a way to do it, but I can't come up I, with like a clean way. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't probably tie it together to the gemstones so, so much. I think for me, the thing in this episode is we see like how Segi is like trying to work his way into the routine of the job, like you know, sticking to the etiquette that he's been set out by Richard, you know, to like don't discriminate based on orientation, uh, gender, race, etc. And also him like you know trying to get the milk tea right. He's still learning, so I think it's another facet to that. I don't think at the moment yeah. it ties more broadly into the idea of gemstones. I would... We're polishing up ourselves. Like, you polish up a gemstone. Ooh, you heat treat it. You know? You're... You're... Working on it. Hmm. Bro. Exactly. Uh, that's why I think anyway about it. That it's just... It could be a couple of different things. And I think it could just very simply, as I say, be... You know... I, I like this kind of stuff myself, and I'm creating a character who, like, embraces this, you know, who's someone I would personally find appealing. You know, see if you will. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think there might also be a bit more meat to it than that as well. And maybe it's just like, you know, product placement. Hey, you know, got to make that Royal Milk Tea book. You got to do it. Mm. Do you have any more to add on that, Doc? I don't. I mean, I was I was thinking about it. Uh, and what you came up with is better than anything I could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Um, it, it was funny. Uh, it did add some humor to the proceedings, but I don't think it was there just for that. Hmm. I, I agree with you that it was, there's a, a dual, a dual purpose hmm. at work. Ain't, ain't no, ain't no, uh, Yorkshire tea or PG tips. This is proper stuff. Just saying. Um, 
So next question, this comes from GoGo Atomic Robot. Uh, does Richard own any casual clothes? In my opinion, he's wearing casual clothes in the episode. <laughs> that is his casual clothes. That is his standard. And he still looks like that, you know, like high class. Can you imagine what his business clothes are like? Um, what does he sleep in? Does he like sleep in, sleep in uh, like, a, a, you know, does he does he wear a tie to sleep? Or is it like a like a cashmere sweater? It's got it's got shirt? it's got to be some ridiculously fancy like pure velvet. I'm gonna go with that, <laughs> like a suit of velvet, suit. or even yeah, I don't know, like a robe. Oh, he's got a, he's got to have a smoking jacket. You know, I mean, that. so yeah. he doesn't even mm-hmm. smoke, but he must have one. <laughs> totally. Uh, oh but yeah, that, that for me like is Richard's casual clothes. Like he is. You know, he has like a, a huge, just a giant like fancy mahogany study. <laughs> yeah, the dude has a huge study with he's, like a he's, globe. The globe is and one of those green lamps. Yes, you're right. The globe <laughs> itself is one of those that doesn't sit on a desk, but it's on like a tripod and is in mm-hmm. like you know like that little. It's the full thing inside that like little uh, spear yeah. enclosure. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's rich. got like uh, Myanmar is somehow like highlighted on the globe. Rich uh, Corinthian leather, a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> Rich Corinthian leather, absolutely. Yeah, you, you Some know, very sort of like a wine, you know, cellar. Cubans, you know, like he's got totally yes. If he smokes again, I don't get the impression Richard would smoke. To be quite honest, Cubans. <laughs> oh my god, what a what a life he must lead. I know, it's tremendous. He, he certainly is a gentleman of refinement, though. So, like I say, that's my my answer is that he already is wearing casual clothes. That is casual. For him. Put fucking. Jula Richard of the Dos Equis commercials. Man, like, I... I mean, there, there, there have been, like, you know, instances of anime characters doing, like, fashion in the past, you know, like... And the funny thing is, you know what this reminds me of, of all things? Like, I want to give a quick shout-out to one of uh, the fan artists I follow on Twitter for Macross Dels, which is Azu Delschan. Uh, mm-hmm. Azu does amazing fan art of, like, the various Valkyrie ladies in, like, different fashions. Um, often that's either from the uh, Macross uh, gacha game, or just uh, ones that they've come up with themselves, including like you know doing designs for like shoes and stuff. Like, there's a lot of elaborate costume work there, and I can just see someone like Azu going to town designing like all sorts of like double-breasted jackets and stuff for Richard. Um, I can see that being a thing. Which, by the way, I want to stress again, like one of the nice things about the show, because again, even though this isn't made for me, I like that it's being made for people, and people are getting that. I do like mm-hmm. that people um, are enjoying. Uh, having a character like Richard, who is just that refined and classy and, you know, good to look at for them. Um, that is a good thing. So I'm glad people are getting behind that. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm well fed. That's all I'll say. So I don't need it. Yeah, right. we don't, we're not wanting for content. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what about you, Doc? Do you think Richard owns any casual clothes? <clears throat> uh, I'm going to say no. <laughs> do, do, do you reckon he, i mean do you reckon well no, you know what no, no in fact do you reckon no. he does a musical number if he wants to introduce his clothes i'm thinking i'm thinking of the one from the simpsons Probably. see my vest see my vest i can't do the rest of it. i don't remember the lyrics but you know well, you, i mean you know he would be like sliding down a ladder like bell from beauty and the beast <laughs> oh god so i yeah i mean he's gotta be pr- he's even more than I think, uh, wealthy or knowledgeable, he seems like he will be like he's so unflappable because he's so mentally prepared, mm. and so you got to figure there's some situations and call for things apart from like the three piece suit. Like, what if he has to play golf with a client? 
I don't even know if golf is a big thing in Japan for business people. I think, do, I but think he, here it is. Yeah. And I can imagine him wearing a golf shirt and like a plaid golf hat. Well, Agresco points know? out that uh, golf was a big thing for a, a director, Tom. <laughs> and there was indeed an episode involving yeah. a golfing trip. So I would go with yes on that. Um. So, all right. In fact, you, you one, know one got, final thing. He, he might never wear them, in but he's got them. Oh, he's got them. And he's got a full set of clubs as well. Um, well, I need to add one final thing, actually, Doc, just to expand on uh, Go Go Atomic Robots questionnaire. Do you reckon Richard owns a pocket watch on a chain? Of course. Of course he does. Of course. No question. No question about it. And it's like, it's a one of a kind custom made, you know, from like his friend who either is like uh, from Sri Lanka. the governor of some province. Given to him by someone and... from Sri Lanka, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Some like high-ranking government official. In fact, it's set to Sri Lanka time. There you go. <laughs> I, can, I, can, totally. I can totally see that would be a thing. Um, yes. So yeah, thank you very much, Gogo Time Robot. Uh, also, thank you to Kate Rose and OKK for providing your questions. Always good fun to cover these. Uh, feel free to put more in the chat as we go along. And if you yourself, you know, are listening to this podcast when it's gone uh, free to air for everyone, and think to yourself, hey, I'd like to get on asking questions of a silly or serious nature of these two, uh, why not consider looking at our Patreon? Get yourself up on, you know, the free dollar tier or higher. You can get into our Discord and ask us questions as we go along through this show and others. There's another question in there, but... Let, let me take this opportunity to say this has sprung to mind. I feel like Richard is, correct me if I'm wrong, if, if this is a, not if he's not this guy, but I feel like he's he might be the guy when, when James Bond is like jumping out of a helicopter and onto a foreign land and he's like fighting some kind of grunt, maybe in the air, maybe when he gets on the ground. Richard steps out from the shadows and one hit, clocks the guy down and says mr bond welcome to tangier <laughs> I feel like he's that guy. He, he, you know <laughs> if it turned out that he had like some sort of like secret agent connection i'd totally buy that as well uh, this we is, got one this more is... question from kate oh so, oh yes sorry go on i completely forgot i apologize no no um so she says can you talk about how much nuance they're putting into richard and the jewels and whether you think that effort is detracting from other parts of the episode. Ooh. This like connects with probably a lot of shit we're going to talk it about. It does. Like this, this like basically the, the talking point I was going to make about the Ruby and the heat treating process is pretty much the answer to this question, funnily enough. So this okay. is a great segue. So thank you for that, Kate. I apologize for missing the question, by the way. I unfortunately had the discord window scrolled a little too high. Whoops. All right. Um, Always scroll to the bottom kids. Absolutely. Don't, don't miss out on the laces messages. Don't do that. Right, no, so to current. I'm going to go straight into my big talking point here um, about this episode's uh, gem specifically, which is a ruby. Now, I want to first just actually say, like, what I like about Jeweler Richards as well is it does go into detail about, like, you know, what makes gems precious, like, in terms of, like, processes and treatments and stuff. And it does so without actually being too boring about it, like, or even boring in general. Like, I think that, you know, this is something I'll get to with Tanimosa in a bit, like, but whenever you cover a specialist subject such as, uh, you know, jewellery, for example, or gemology, uh, or even in any other, like, specialist show that we've covered, like, say, Given, for example, you know, um, it helps mm. that the characters are enthusiastic about what they're covering to help sell it to the audience in turn. But it's more than that, in my opinion. It's not just simply about the heat tree being a thing. So I have to elaborate on some context here just to make it clear. Um Mami, the lady who brings the gem to Richard, um, it is a ruby in inside a brooch with a number of diamonds around it with the ruby itself at the centre. 
and this was gifted to her by her fiance, whose name is Homura. Uh, so Homer and Mami insert Madoka Magica as you uh, Madoka yeah, Magica as, tribute. As, as, I'm like, who's yeah. <laughs> Segi? Uh, Segi's friend with a guitar on his back. One day is going to be like, you know, uh, it's going to be revealed his name is Cuba. Oh my god! Well, we just need to start <laughs> having more crossovers. We need to have like you know uh, Yuri Plazetsky come in and say, well, okay, I got my I got my boyfriend this ring, but I need a new one. What do you recommend? Uh, that needs to happen, uh, or we can even, or we can even then, you know, like have the boys from Given come in. But anyway, totally. But anyway, um, so by the way, uh, a very appropriate the character named Mami, you know, also knows someone named Homer, and she's the one losing her head over this. Bit unfortunate, but there we go. Oh, <laughs> too easy, no. too easy. Come on, people would have complained if I've not made that reference. God damn it! Don't don't judge me. I won't. I won't have it. All right. But yeah, she has been given that brooch like as a... I've, it could very well be an engagement present or it could just be a present in general. But regardless, that's given to her by her fiancé. But we learn later in the episode that she's... Well, in fact, pretty early on, that she doesn't really want to marry him. Not because he's a bad person, I should stress. He actually seems like a really nice guy, save for one well questionable element, um, which well. I feel like would have been less questionable if the episode had been fleshed out more with the material from the book. Uh, oh, it would be more questionable... It turns out in the novel, he's a little bit more of a, well, I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm presuming too much. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, so anyway, um, he still seems like over, on the overall, at least as far as the anime presents him as a nice guy. But it turns out, as we've discussed before, that she is gay. She's actually, um, you know, from the timeline of things, she actually met him a year ago when she moved out to a new job, but also left Akashi, the lady we mentioned before, mm-hmm whom she lived with for seven years, about a year prior. So the timeline marries up quite well here. You can imagine her going into the job maybe two weeks after leaving Akashi. Um, And, you know, this then leads to, you know, them hitting off, in a sense, and then him proposing and her, you know, going along with it. But she's just simply not attracted to him. Now, the ruby, you see, um, it turns out, she wants to know if it's been heat-treated or not. And as it's told in the episode... If you have two rubies of equivalent, you know, cut and quality, and you heat treat one but leave the other unheat treated, the heat treated one uh, turns a, you know, different shade and becomes more valuable in terms of money. So that's a big deal. Like for, for Mami, like that's actually her, you know, she says it would decide if I found out if this was treated or not, if I would marry him or not. And you mentioned to me in Discord, indeed publicly, that you were a bit confused by this. Uh, and I admit, uh-huh. I admit, this is phrased in a way that I found a bit difficult to untangle at first. But I have a theory on yeah, this. Yeah, and like her argument, it seemed like like just the way she made her argument. Um, like I tried, just tried to follow the logic, and it was extremely difficult. But um, thankfully, in in Discord, it was presented to me in such a way that it clicked in my brain. Hmm. <laughs> so I my simple brain. I I have a theory on this. I mean, I think it's a bit more complicated than her simply, you know, saying, I'll marry you because you made the gem more expensive. I think it's more than that. No, I, I agree. So here's the thing, right? Um, one of the big ideas of this episode is that, you know, people shouldn't be made to fit into places they don't belong. They should be allowed to be unique. And what is happening with Mami here is she's essentially being, uh, well, not forced so much as substantially pressured, I would say, into marrying Homer, even though it's not what she really wants. And she was like, "Well, you know, I'll save it. No, I'll save it for my." No, you, no, you no, you, no. It, it might be, it might be good for you to uh, bring it up. Actually, I just, I, you know, I, I 
sort of saw the big thrust of this episode as um, the sort of power of familial obligation, especially in that culture. Mm. You know, it's funny. Ah. We were we were uh, reading and talking with um, Natasha uh, Illogines about weathering with you on Twitter the other day, and she was talking about this very thing. And wouldn't you know it, it shows up for me in this episode of Julia Richard. Um, but yeah, um, Akashi Mommy, rather, we'll, we'll say to avoid confusion. Mommy, like, grew up in in this... Like, she didn't have a chance, right, <laughs> of... Uh, the of of growing up and not thinking what I should do is live quietly and marry someone and have kids and settle down. Like she felt so guilty um, not doing it mm. uh, after the fact. A, a sentiment um, I have like shared myself raised. quite strongly, I must admit. Like I've always, really? I've, I've, I've felt quite bitter myself, like you know, about being lonely and all that and such, and like feeling like I should fit in by being with someone and finding myself strange. I'm not that kind of thing. Like I felt some kind of overlap with that, which is why I said that I felt uh, quite a response from it when she was talking on the mm-hmm. park bench. Um, yeah, and and she's, I don't even think she feels it's a loneliness thing. It's just like a, this is what I ought to be doing, and I'm letting my family down. Yeah, in some way, if I don't like do that, and that's a really powerful thing. I mean, you can see the power it has over her, and like, it's depicted in a lot of stories. This kind of familial obligation as um, something that brings people down, and and they carry a lot of guilt about it through their lives. I've, you have to imagine that there's there's some ways in which these kind of deep familial bonds um, and like goals people have for their kids and stuff can be like healthy and good for the kid, but. Because I don't want to, like, just be like, fuck this culture wholesale. Like, I mean, you've got kids, so yeah, I mean? exactly. Um, well, but but, but I, am, I approach my, like, I have a different approach and come from a different culture and raise my children yeah. in a different culture. There's the familial obligation is not so deep-seated a thing and not as, it doesn't have as much sway in a more individualized, uh, it kind of individual freedom, like, based society whereas like there's a lot more collectivity built into the fabric of society in a place like japan generally speaking so like it's and i I don't want to like just dump on the culture totally but like clearly in this instance mommy has been like baking in in that and it is eating away at her because yes she's gay so she can't have the kind of life that she feels like would fulfill the expectations her family has for her, and it's eating at her. Yeah. Um, well, and like Homura, there has that too, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah. So I'm going to go one further. I don't think it's just about familial obligation. I think it's also just legitimately about the anxiety of being LGBTQ plus in a society that doesn't like you know. That's fair. Doesn't yeah. doesn't openly embrace that. This is why we have the scenes, for example, of the couples who are all men and women. But you know, when she's walking down the road and she starts feeling woozy because it's just a pressing in on her. Look at all these happy people, but they're all men and women, you know. And totally. And then of course you know the actual family they're in the park when she sits down with Segi. So can I tell you why I think it's a more general point though? Go on. Uh, because of Homura. And this is a part that Kay uh, in Discord relayed to us that was um, 
that was, I don't know if left out is the right word, but it was minimized to a great degree. Um, Homura in the anime episode, Homura, like the, the guy that mommy was expected to marry, mm-hmm. um, is sort of just kind of shown to be a pitiful, sad figure who like, ah, uh, you know, uh, what are the chances, right? He just, wrong place, wrong time. He ended up falling for the wrong girl. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not really shown as like a, a bad actor in any way, but there's a, a part in the book when, so w- there's a scene when they're in the, uh, when they're in Richard's office and speaking of poor people, poor fucking Richard having to like <laughs> have this like lover's quarrel in his office. Just inviting You're sleeping him in, with like, my okay. fiance. Like he actually gets outright accused of like sleeping. I know. As opposed to the more and... sensible and less paranoid of, <laughs> I just visit here on business. <laughs> You know, he's just like, yeah. Does, well, and does, does that mean? Does that mean? Some, does that mean like that oh, makes more sense in the books? Yeah. Um, too. I, I was gonna say like, does that mean that you know Homer also found out every single place that Mammy went to and started accusing, say, the local subway sandwich artist of boning her? Like, Apparently, he did hire a detective. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the subway did he, sandwich. Yeah. Artist. Did he? Did he? Acu- did he accuse the subway sandwich artist of giving her a footlong? <laughs> she only asked for a footlong sandwich, man. <laughs> oh my god! I saw. Um, I feel so no, bad for that well, joke. I'm so sorry. It was. It was bad. We're bad podcasters, <laughs> so it's all right. Um, so like, yeah. So there's a part when they are trying to talk through their feelings again in this jeweler's office that has nothing to do with mm-hmm. <laughs> with them. Um, so I'm gonna just read verbatim from the translation that that okk put up mm-hmm. so homer san smiled when mari uh, mommy san raised her expressionless face he looked like a father trying to reassure his child his eyes weren't smiling i'm a little sad that you didn't tell me about all this but i understand that you had reasons you couldn't that's why i'm suggesting wow. this. that dialogue- why not sorry to interrupt, but that dialogue like feels so completely different in tone from the way he acts in this one like he's pleading yeah. with her in the. In I know the in the anime he's Whereas like, "It's very, cool if yeah. you're cheating on me. I love you." It's very cold, like, like how he's presented in that yeah, dialogue. There, totally. Like in this one, he's just like, "Why not think of love and marriage as two separate things? I love you, and that won't change no matter what. So why not just get married to me, but date Akashi-san? That way, everything is as it was." There was something Whoa. about Homura-san's smile. I felt a chill run down my back. A suggestion to let your fiance date someone else. What would Sasumami and his marriage with her mean to him? What exactly did this man love about her? So I think nice. this is like, so he talks about even in the anime, like the fact that like his parents love her. You know what I mean? Like they started dating and his parents adored her. They talked about getting married and he goes out of his way. He's not just like, I'm going crazy. Why won't you return my calls? He's like, my parents are beside themselves. So again, I feel like this is more of this like, the reason this is devastating to me and the reason I want you to get married and I don't even care if you're dating someone else is to pacify my parents because yeah. they have these expectations of me that I be a family man and be married and that's the sort of thing to do for an upstanding young man. So that's why I thought these both these characters together kind of make the two-pronged argument of like that these familial obligations that often kind of run counter to like what we actually want for ourselves or in in uh homer's case they totally replace it like who fucking knows what he actually does want for himself all he has is this like thing that he's inherited from them Mm -hmm. um 
they can be like really damaging yeah i think maybe there's even room to interpret it both ways perhaps because if it was a familial thing it wouldn't necessarily need to then include you know her being gay it could potentially be a job related issue like he's not working a high enough uh, position or maybe he doesn't want to inherit the family business there's a number of ways you could do that so i think that you mm-hmm. could actually read it as both that it is both about like society you know not being equitable in terms of how it views and like you know welcomes lgbtq plus people and in turn also ties that and then into the familial expectations that you mentioned as well it could you be know, both there is a line at the very end that actually really does support your your thesis here that they are saying something about lgbtq people and that when segi says um it must be hard for someone like her to live in japan and then richard slaps him on the wrist and say don't say that (laughs) we're not supposed to like talk about people in terms of these groups they belong to yeah say prejudice things so i read that as like him saying it must be hard for someone like her parentheses a gay woman close parentheses to live in japan yeah you know what i mean yeah, could could potentially be that. So I'm just going to bring this back to the idea of rubies and heat treatment here. Okay. Because I think this is where, you know, the author is actually, again, it's one thing to be enthusiastic about a subject matter, but it's also something I think really cool to then tie it intimately to characters. Because look at what's actually happening to Mammy here. She's being forced into a place, or rather pressured if not forced, whichever way you want to interpret it, that she does not want to be in and ultimately does not belong what in turn is done to the ruby is made more valuable by treating it in such a way as to make it something it originally was not. And her position, you know, like as a married woman to, you know, this regular dude as a cis, you know, with them being a cishet couple, you know, that in the society that they're in has more value because, you know, LGBTQ people are not treated equitably. It, the ruby itself is an analogy, a metaphor, if you will, for her as a person being forced to sit in this brooch surrounded by diamonds, things that are not like her, and being made to look pretty for the sake of an arbitrary sense of value to a society at large. I mean, this is why I said in the previous episode, rubies, diamonds, what have you, when we're not talking about Damn. them... <laughs> it's sinking in as you're saying it. <laughs> yeah, like, rubies, diamonds, whatever we talk... Like, whenever my talks about in previous episode, disregarding their uses in industrial applications, like, whenever we wear jewellery, its value... It has two, there are two values that it can have. One of which is its value in terms of like memories and experiences. Like, why did I get this? It's my wedding ring, for example. This is the stuff we talked about in the first episode with Seiji and the Pink Sapphire. Uh-huh. And then there's the monetary value. Heat treating makes it more, you know, more valuable in terms of money. But money itself, like, you know, is an arbitrary, like, construct that we've created as a civilization collectively across the planet over the years. So... That, to me, like, is why I think this is kind of genius, because the whole heat-treating thing, you know, is meant to be a metaphor for her being forced into a place she does not want to be in. The gem is representative of who she is as a person, in the same way the pink sapphire is representative of the characters we saw in the previous episode. And if you think I'm being crazy about this, you know what you said about how you weren't quite sure about how she read the, you know, uh, her response, like, about, hey, if he's heat-treated it, I'll marry him? I think that might actually be an admission Uh of defeat on her part, because maybe she's aware of that, you know, interpretation I've given, that, okay, if he's going to, you know, give me this thing that represents who I am, that's been made to look pretty and made more expensive and more valuable to him and the world at large, then what choice do I have? You could read it that way, I suppose. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Like, I think I ended up just... Like, I I like the additional layers of interpretation you've done i think where i ultimately settled um 
earlier was that like if if it turns out that the the ruby was heated it would have meant that um that he uh invested a lot more time figuring out what to give her and what is sort of worth more and what represents his love and would have i i guess like been been representative of that added sentimental value you're talking about Mm. um whereas the unheated you know he just kind of like went for something at a certain price range without kind of understanding more about the object he was buying Mm -hmm. um and so so yeah that's that's where i ultimately ended up on that um and I, uh, sorry, I, I had another thought, but I think it's it will be more appropriate elsewhere. Hmm. I, I, I mean, admittedly, her conversation is a little confusing about in that respect. And I think that, again, yeah. maybe is something that was fleshed out more in the original novel. But like I say, though, this whole idea of heat treatment and such like, hey, you know what? I think it's really, really nifty how that's being used to enhance the characters. I think that's some really good stuff there on Jula Rich's part. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I think, and this is to directly t- address Kate's question about whether or not she feels it uh, detracts from other elements of the show or it adds to it. Like, I think it adds to it. Um, I do, I can understand if you think that it is um, either clumsy or unsubtle Mm -hmm. because it really is like surfacing the, the metaphor um, in a very direct way. But to me, like, I enjoy that. Like, it, it reads really clean, um, mm. and I can tell what they're trying to do because, as I've established, brain's small. <laughs> um, so it's, it's uh, and even then I have trouble <laughs> figuring out what's up. But, but I like it. Um, I like having that additional interpretive layer there to figure out in my head. But... Again, I I do really, I think, understand where Kate is coming from, that, like, maybe if you are there uh, and you just want to have the relationship uh, and the plot and the drama and the interpersonal talkings and stuff foregrounded and have all the gym stuff be, like, kind of in the background, maybe hinted at more, not as, like, out front and center like here is our metaphor everybody mm-hmm. yeah exactly um, then i i i get it but I, I sort of happen to like what it's doing i now. mean if i may if i may be fair here i agree because we already discussed like akashi not appearing in this episode at all whereas you know they were a figure in the novel as in literally like you know physically present like Everything I've said about like me liking, you know, the use of the ruby and the heat treatment as metaphor for how Mami is being treated, I would jettison that in favor of putting Akashi in the actual episode to begin with. It isn't a substitute for the actual. I think I agree. It isn't a substitute, in my opinion, for the actual character development and like interpersonal drama that should be there. And I again must say though that that also in turn is a problem of time because it's something I would if I, the ideal version of this episode to me would be one where both of those things exist. You know, we, we there's no reason yep. they can't both be there. And if I may just quickly throw something out in my mind, if I were doing this show, I think it should be a 24 episode show. Now, there's no way that will actually happen in reality because you know, Sarah Zamai didn't get 24 episodes even though it deserved it. Although. Now that I really think about it, Kabuki Show Sherlock got 24 episodes 
and who the, and who the fuck was that made for? That that ain't going mass market. So maybe you know there are some people out there who don't know any better. But for me, what I would do is I would treat every case file as a two parter, and I would probably mm. end each episode or a number of them at the very least with a, you know them leading into a flashback that then plays out for the majority of the of the first half of the second episode. So we'd meet Akashi in this hypothetical version of Jewel of Richard in the episode after this one, the two, the second part of the Ruby uh, case, if you will. Um, seeing him in flashback, you know, living with um, Mami. That, I think, mm-hmm. would be an interesting way of doing it. Like, certainly structuring it, if nothing else. Um, so, yeah, like, I, again, I really like it, but I, it's no substitute for proper, like, you know, character drama, which is a shame. Because I do feel like we're missing out on what could be an even better version of this that does actually exist in book form. Well, we've, you know, it's... It's early days. It's only been the one, the one time that it this has happened. You know, I get it, we talked about it feeling rushed in the, on the first go round, but I think this time it's even more egregious. But you know, we can hold out hope that either uh, yeah. you know future episodes will uh, adapt more fully, or the edits that they're forced to make will be um less uh glaring yeah i mean i'm gonna go back to my one of my old mantras that i'm always very fond of bringing up when i'm talking about criticizing anything really which is criticism for me falls in one of two camps the first camp is what we got was dog shit like literally what's on the screen is terrible that by the way is kabuki show sherlock shield hero elf and lead etc 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 um and then there's the other camp which is I liked what we got, but I wanted more, or I wanted ex- expanding upon. And that's what we have here. Uh, and then you can see things like, you know, with Given, with Yuki, for example, um, and Yuki's, like, you know, suicide, how I wanted that expanding on. Or, you know, how I also said in Given about how I wanted the roles of the he- uh, ladies to be expanded upon, because I felt they could actually serve the LGBT plus narrative as allies. Like, that kind of thing. What we got wasn't bad, it just needed to be expanded upon, and there was potential for it to be grown. And I should stress, though, like, while these are two different schools of criticism in my mind, they are still criticism nonetheless. Uh, it just means I hate, it just means I hate one as opposed to, like, being, you know, <laughs> eh, you know, you know, about the other. So, yeah. So that's my big point, anyway, about this episode and what they're trying to do. Mm. And, again, this is the awful, like, I I think it's very easy if you're passionate about something when you're writing about, like, a, a esoteric topic like gemology you know like where you could just literally go all in on the technical details like here's heat treatment here's what carrots are here's what cuts are etc 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 here's that some factoids about the biggest gems found at various parts in history blah 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 um you could do that um but it would probably be quite boring and what i appreciate is that jula richard is getting in that technical information that the author is clearly like you know very enthralled by but apart from firstly making sure that we're interested in it, and I'll explain that about that when we get to Tanimoto in a bit, like as an audience, it then actually... Tanimoto, self-insert, <laughs> it then... gym lover. You could be right. And it then brings it together with the actual characters. Again, it's not necessarily subtle. I, I would not disagree there with people who criticize that. But I'm, I prefer that over nothing at all than us just simply having a technical walkthrough of various things. Mm-hmm. Here's another um, metaphor that I felt like was just said out loud by the characters, but I still, I, re- I still really like it. Um, you know, when uh, when at the end, at post haircut, mommy 
Um, she looks great, by the way, the short hair. Oh, um, she did the Marioka, didn't she? She did. Yes, she did. Um, a plus uh, in both cases. Um, I think you mean a minus, technically, but in terms of the amount of hair. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, addition by subtraction. Yes. We often less say is, less is more. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, when she is coming back to Richard's office to get her final appraisal, uh, and she's talking, like, you know, we already walked through the whole, like, um, if it's heated, I would have married him. If it's not heated, I would have not. Um, Richard has some interesting words for her that, like, you know, he's like, you probably already knew the whole time, like, deep inside. Yeah. I, your answer was? I think that's a um, really mature thing to say, by the way, because, again, speaking from my own experience, there have been a number of times when, well, I've spoken to you, for example, in, in private about, like, hey, what's your advice on us? And I will confess, oftentimes I'm leaning towards an answer to begin with anyway. Even though I really should know better than that when I'm trying to seek advice. But I think that it's a very natural human behavior sometimes when we are, like, you know, deeply conflicted to still have some sense of what we personally want to do. Like, something Mm -hmm. we lean towards. And that's not necessarily the right answer, by the way, but more I think that, you know, we ask because we're uncertain, even though, you know, we're still like 60, 40 maybe on it. So I think that's a really mature observation on Richard's part, which I also have to stress, like, one of the problems with, or one of the things you might find about Sherlock S characters or Sherlock derivatives is that they go too hard in on the eccentricity where they don't understand other people. And sometimes that can work. Uh, you know, sometimes it's played for comedy. Sometimes it's played as a genuine, like, you know, character flaw and stuff. And then you can have times where it's played for douchebaggery, like in Kabuto show Sherlock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But or Rich- House. Yeah, our house, uh, but in or, house ca- or the Stephen Moffat Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, like well, well, house it works. The other two, not so much. Um, but in this case, like what I think is interesting is that we get to see that Richard has shades to him, and he has more understanding of people uh, than we might otherwise give him credit for. He certainly does come across as brusque and cold at times, like particularly with Sagi, which we'll get to no doubt soon enough. Um, well, if you if you think about it, it's I. I this is the point I was going to make. You you summed it up quite quickly that he has an understanding of people. And, you know, if you think about it, he himself even says, like, gemstones reflect their owners. Or, like, almost like saying, like, people are like gems. Like, we get that. Well, that's why Sadie I mentioned the, Richard. Hate, the heat treating metaphor. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, you know, there's um, no two gemstones alike, right? They're unique and just like people. They have aspects of them that uh, are inherent to them that are sort of deeply part of their natures and they're not able to get away from them. Um, so I, I guess in a sense, if you take Richard's, uh, all this stuff to its logical conclusion, like to be a gym appraiser in some ways is to be a therapist hmm. because like, uh, and, and she, mommy says at one point, she's like, I was the only one who didn't know. Like I didn't really, everyone else, Again, also knew. a very mature observation. I but find. I, yeah, I didn't know she needed uh, an appraiser. She needed uh, someone to evaluate uh, and tell her. I guess Segi served that purpose in terms of her personal life, but just like for the Ruby, um, it needed an appraiser to uh, to surface like the the facts about it. You know what I mean? Uh, that you may or may not could tell from the outside. Like, well, I guess that's that's not what I mean. That's not quite right. What I mean is, like, there's a lot about ourselves that we don't understand that 
our perspective is so skewed because why am we live I bald? inside our own heads. Well, we live inside our own heads. Like, <laughs> why am why I bald, we, but, though? <laughs> I wish I could tell you. But, like, an outside perspective is able to, in the form of, like, a therapist or a friend or whatever, is, is able to, an outsider, rather, is able to have a perspective outside of us and say, here's my evaluation. And it's like, oh, my God, how did you know? That's so right. And it's because they have a perspective that is outside of the milieu of our own uh bustling brains Mm -hmm. um so i I like this idea uh the half-baked though it may be of of richard as therapist like only sad people show up at his office and have to have their uh hang-ups and mental health problems addressed via these gemstone via these issues that come uh, that that are tied to the transactions to do with gemstones. Yeah, and indeed, one, one of the good Dr. things, Doctor Richard. Yeah, Doctor Richard. Uh, and one of the good things I like about Jewel Richard as well is how well it ties in, like you know, the value of people to the idea of value of gemstones. Like I said, gemstones when they're not used for industrial purposes, their value is arbitrary. It's as arbitrary as the experience of the people who've owned it over the course of its lifespan, and in turn, the value of which Richard gives it in the end. You could argue he's a judge of character, if you will, in that sense. You know, indeed, we. I think there are plenty of people on this planet who do judge people's character based on, like, you know, jewellery they have or the clothes they wear. It's not mad unreasonable to say, you know, that we would do that. We would use a yardstick of, some, you know, what people wear and own to judge the worth of them. Even though, as this episode attests, you know, that doesn't really count or mm-hmm. even worse can be actively destructive to that person. And I think that's a very, very nice uh, link there that, you know, Jula Richard uh, creates. It's quite a nice little touch. I like it. Again, perhaps a bit obvious, you know, but it works. Sometimes, you know, I- I'm all for subtlety, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think people use, you, you know, subtlety are cowards, <laughs> if you know what I mean, no. to, paraphrase, no. to paraphrase that old joke. But I do think there are times as well when a little bit of obviousness does work. And like I said, I did feel emotionally affected by listening to Mario's story. I felt, I mean, I haven't been through the same experience, but there were bits of it that resonated with my own personal experiences. And I thought, yeah, I can get behind this. I can understand this. It works. So, yeah. It's, I... If a metaphor is clean, I'm I'm very cool with it being out there and on the surface. Damn right, damn right. Okay, um, there are some other things that we should cover as well, I suppose. Uh, I'll, I've talked a lot though, Doc. Do you want to throw any more points out there? Uh, well, I think Segi is adorable. Um, the fact that like he runs up to mommy, who has like collapsing in the street, and he's basically like, "Hi." I'm a hero of justice. And she's like, you know, uh, it's revealed. I think it's revealed in the novel that she's like uh, taken enough uh, drugs to like as a suicide attempt. Jesus. And this is like happening on the street. And he's just like, hello, I'm a hero of justice. It's like, <laughs> it's really like daft, but also really cute. It's very earnest. Um, yeah. He's what a dork. I love that guy. Nah, he's he, the best. He's not too bad. Uh, speaking of the best, uh, let's talk about Tanimoso for a moment. Oh wait, so do you, if uh, can I get one more tiny oh, point in yes, before your yes, big yes, substantial yes. point? Just I just wanted to say really quickly before I forget that growing a vegetable garden in the desert is, um, I feel like, it, what an incredible phrase! Like it's such a vivid uh, sort of metaphor for futility. 
Mm. I really, really like that phrase. It, it I'm does work. use it in my life from now on. I'm, I'm going to use that to insult people at work. Try to teach you how to use this program is like trying to go a vegetable garden in the desert, you fuckwit. <laughs> hey, whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> Although they'll probably be very confused and just look at me like, what the fuck? I'll be like, piss off. Um, okay. It's not really so much of a substantial point because we've talked a lot about how cool Tanimoto is to begin with, but something I need to mention here is it, we already technically have someone who's an enthusiast for gems in this show, which is, of course, Richard. And I think Tanimoto serves an interesting purpose in the show uh, or the material, which is she herself is a gem enthusiast. And it would be very easy just for her simply to be a female like classmate of Segi's whom he's into. For various, for many reasons, or any given reason, you know. But her being specifically into gems as well, I think that serves a purpose to try and ground the actual, like, you know, study of gems, like, in a more real-world sense. What do I mean by that? Like, Richard is a, obviously a specialist, and when you deal with specialist subject matters, as I've said, like, you know, recently when I've talked about Somali and the Forest Spirit, like, well, not a specialist subject matter, but rather something we're not intimately familiar with, it helps if you have characters that are inside the world themselves who may not necessarily be intimately familiar with that subject matter or, like, you know, so deeply into it as Richard is, who can in turn, like, you know, provide their enthusiasm for it and help get us on board. And I think she serves that purpose because Richard is very cold and... Cl- well, not cold, but rather he's very uh, business... He's all business about, like, gemstones and such. As we've noted, though, he does, you know, get people and he helps, like, you know, draw meaning from the gemstones that he looks at in order to help them come to an answer about, or even, you know, remind them they've already got an answer, about their own foibles. Uh, But Tanimoto, hers is just pure enthusiasm. And I think that helps complement, like, the presentation of the study of gems in this show. Because it's not being treated solely in that case as, you know, a rigorous scientific exercise in valuation, but rather just something that she purely enjoys for its own sake. Mm-hmm. And this is not to bring Richard down, by all means. Like he, I think you know mm-hmm. his his own way of looking at it is important. Don't get me wrong, but I think that her doing that, you know, being that kind of person who's into gems, apart from obviously just serving as some like you know bridging point for Segi to like be interested in her as, as a character and as a lady, um, I think it also, as say, serves a purpose to help bridge that enthusiasm to the audience. Like, okay, we're getting a lot of technical detail, but here's a character who's really, really into it. And I grant you, you could be very cynical about it and say, well, hey, she's a cute-looking lady who's into gems. Like, you know, uh, she's manufactured from the writer's perspective to fulfill that purpose and help, like, you know, draw you in in a very cynical fashion. But I'm willing to give Jeweler Richard the benefit of the doubt on that point, partly because, as I say, I don't think it's really aimed at an audience of cishet men to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, At least not as I understand it. I could be wrong on that. Um, no, I think you're right. But I, <laughs> I think you're right. So I think, like, you know, having, like, you know, this potential waifu character, if you want to call it, like, someone constructs explicitly to fulfill that function, I don't think that really flies um, with this character. But in turn, I think the show is also just too earnest. Like, the things it currently, like, has taken a stand against, really, are, like, well, we've got the societal, like, you know, pressure of, hey, get married, have kids, you know, don't be gay. That's also a thing in there. Thanks for that show. The fucking anti-Darling and the Franks, by the way. Yeah. Oh, pow, pow pow. Take pow, two pow. in the chest. F- fucking terrible show. Man, Go that... away. Sorry about the gunshot metaphors, but just, I, just the only thing in my brain. That's why, have we not, like, I... why have we not sent that dead horse <laughs> off to the glue factory yet? God damn it. I mean, but it's, it's just such a, like, like, it's so clear. Like, the two diametrically opposed, like, 
anime in their messages. It's great. I love yeah. it. Eat, eat shit frames. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it's it's not very like any 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 cynicism this show has or anything that you know it has to like spit on basically you know or deride. It's not like you know particular groups of people. Rather, it's just like you know poisonous like societal structures and expectations or even the legacy of like you know a, a seemingly dark family family history that when viewed for a different light has new meaning and new you know like positivity to it so i'm willing to allow like tanimo so like if you look really want to peer behind like you know the curtain and see how the sausage is made so to speak i'm willing to allow her existence in this show even, you know, like a pass, even if it is you want to be as cynical as to say she's just there to sell the concepts and nothing else and also to look appealing for, you know, the cishet people who may potentially be, you know, looking in from the outside, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. She's a lovely character. Um, and I'm, I'm glad she's in the show. And as I say, I think she serves a quite strong purpose in helping, you know, get us behind the idea of gemstones and such because she complements Richard's own, like, you know, um, perspective quite well. Say, he's all business, she's all enthusiasm, she's all, like, big gem fan. And I think those two go together quite big well. Big gems! Which is also why she and Rich are going to hook up at the end and say he's going to be left with nothing. <sighs> man, <laughs> poor Seiki. <laughs> poor Seiki. Oh, man. I mean, how could you not fall for a mad, attractive, super rich, multilingual, like, man of mystery and adventure? <laughs> like Richard. Exactly. Who's also extremely politically progressive, it would seem, or at least socially. Indeed. Um, I'm just waiting for the scene where Richard just has this, like, you know, ridiculously old woman come in and says, oh yeah, I dropped this, like, giant blue gemstone off the edge of the Titanic, uh, you know, and I've now got it back. Can you value it for me, please? And also recount my, you know, history on that boat. You remember that character from James Cameron's (laughs) film? (laughs) You know that's gonna happen. It's been 84 years. Plus 10. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, dear oh dear I, oh dear I really like the the scene at the end where again Richard just lays it out there that like you know there's many metrics there's many systems about it because he's like how do you value gems how are diamonds valued Segi and Segi's like carrots and it's like yep you can turn carrots into grams but this world is a better place when there are lots of different ways to measure and evaluate something and that goes back to the discussion of value that we've had about this episode i think when you were talking about the heated yeah. and the reheat and, uh, and reheated not heated and and, and the previous episode the tv well, dinner this, the tv dinner the microwave <laughs> no fuck me man in my dumb brain uh brain to mouth uh but like um don't forget also, also well, the, the ruby being sentimental value business um, yeah and i really like that as a you know a way to end the show like to to bring it home that there's like a lot of ways to measure the worth of something there's not just the one standard way that everybody thinks is the way we ought to do it Mm -hmm. and that again also i think is a way to reinforce that point that you brought up uh that this is also about mommy being gay and there's a lot of different ways to uh to measure happiness uh, mm-hmm. in your own life they're not it doesn't have to be the sort of boilerplate standard get married have kids live quietly in comfy house that's not for everyone no the world is more interesting when these definitions of happiness are different for different people and they're able to pursue what they want to pursue 
and they yep. don't all have to grow these vegetable gardens. Yep. I mean, if you want to borrow from the, gem, from the gem metaphor again, you know, if, if all we if all people ever have the jewelry were, were diamonds, well, it'd be pretty monochrome, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be all that interesting, in my opinion. No, indeed. Hmm. I have one final thing I'll talk about here. Do you have any other points you want to bring up, Doc? No, go for it. So there's been some controversy. I say controversy because I think people are making mountains out of molehills on this one, but I do want to address it nonetheless. About Richard kind of dressing down Sagi at the start when he asks after the uh, Arabian gentleman's attire and, you know, whether or not he's hot in it. Now, I'm going to profess my own ignorance here. Like, I don't personally know, and this is not me saying I don't know because I don't get it, but because I've never learned about it. Like, why people in the Middle East wear the like the like loose flowing like robes and such and like that i've seen like for example people in saudi arabia um so i don't think Sagi asking that question offhand is necessarily a bad thing in of itself but what i think richard is trying to get across here is that there is a time and a place uh perhaps to ask that or maybe you know a way in which to ask it so not to be offensive because uh, he is still working in a business you know environment here mm-hmm. and I, again, would also say that, you know, one thing to look at as we go along through this show is that characters doing... It's like I've said many times. Characters doing things that we might find, you know, distasteful or unpleasant or just plain, you know, like, offensive or wrong or douchebaggery, you know, snobbish or even, you know, that can be a good thing. Characters making mistakes in service of a narrative is perfectly fine. It's when it just happens and it's never, like, you know, actively utilised by the story. Now, I grant that this is a very premature thing for me to say because we are only two episodes into uh, Jeweler Richard and it could turn out that it never comes up again, in which case I'd be like, well, I prefer that again be more fleshed out. But I think people like coming down really hard on the show because of the way Richard talks. I think that that's an overreaction, in my opinion. You're welcome to not like Richard for doing that, don't get me wrong, but I think that, you know, you can just note that you don't like it and then leave it at that and then let's see what else happens in the rest of the show. So what exactly are people accusing Richard of? I think of there was. Being? I think we were shown some Reddit stuff, like about people complaining about it that was in our Discord. It's mm. the it's the general sense that I get. Well, I I don't know. To me, it to me it makes sense why Richard would would say it's not like he's coming down on him. It's not like he's like you're fired, motherfucker. Get out of here. You're not <laughs> SJW enough for me. Whoa. Uh, I don't I don't know why I started to like channel channel Vince McMahon. Uh, but I did. Um, yeah, it, it felt like um, you. it's pretty clear to me, at least, that the underlying thing behind Seiji's remark is, uh, or Seiji, sorry, his remark is, um, those clothes are weird, huh? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And you, you can see why Richard would be like, now, now, like, there's going to be a lot of different kinds of people coming in here, and I don't want you, like... Yeah. A wide, you know, with your jaw to hit the floor, and you just stare at them because they look different or act different than you. I need you to uh, keep in mind that, like, this is a global place of business here. Mm. Um, I totally get that. I mean, because it's not just like you said. I think people are willfully ignoring the context if they're like, all he said was it's hot. Because he would never say that about, like, someone that came in traditional Japanese clothes. I don't think. No. Um, I think it very much was like, what a weird dude. Isn't he hot in that weird getup? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he wouldn't say that, but I think that's the subconscious thing it's going on. certainly not, you know, anywhere near as bad as certain language I've heard in my time living in this country. God, I love Britain. <laughs> oh. Good stuff. I, I, I love some classic Islamophobia. That's great. Uh, anyway, 
Um, but no, like I, I think as well, like Kay noted in our Discord that as you say, you know, the answer would obviously be yes, I am hot, and so what? But I think that you know it's not unreasonable in my, like I would you know if it was phrased better to uh, like articulate like could you explain like the culture behind that clothing like for someone who's I'm just I, I'm talking out of ignorance but I'm genuinely curious and I think is where Segi is coming from with that it's a place of genuine curiosity he just doesn't yeah, quite know I how to phrase it of course I don't think that there's anything malicious but you know the road to hell and all that right I mean sometimes you can still hurt people out of out of ignorance and that's why Richard is saying hey there's these boundaries um they they exist for a reason for my clients so Exactamundo. Uh, Storm in a flippin' teacup. A teacup in full a of royal milk, milk tea. Yeah, <laughs> beat you to it. Oh. oh, I'm just too good at this, honestly. God, yeah, you are. Score one for shots. Well, <laughs> uh, do you have the, anything else, or are you just going to continue to laugh maniacally? I, I would like to continue laughing. I, I would like to continue laughing maniacally, but then I'd only end up having to edit it out. Do you think anyway. that that is the appropriate thing to do on a patron podcast? Oh, of course it is. <laughs> uh, what kind of what, what, what kind of dumb question is that? Of course, it's the right <laughs> thing to do to laugh maniacally on a patron only podcast. Uh, but anyway, uh, I suppose that'll bring us to the end of it. I'll mention just before you uh, size off, Doc, that since this is a patron-only podcast, you may very well, however, potentially be listening to it when it's gone free to air. If you've enjoyed this and would like to help support us, you know, do more content like this, maybe get yourself involved and ask us questions about the show and such, uh, feel free to take a look at our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash warriordesha. Uh, that's Whiskey Alpha Robeo Uniform India Delta Echo Sierra Hotel Oscar Uniform. Yes, I do know the military alphabet. Um, wow, can, impressive. I, I, that's from my time in retail, but I'll not bore you all, Seth, with that now. Um, feel free to take a look at that, you know, see what tiers appeal to you. And if in turn, like, you know, you're finding this on free to air, and maybe you don't want to, you know, subscribe to us financially, that's perfectly fine as well. I totally understand that. Um, if you have the time, though, I would just ask if, you know, drop us a like, subscribe, comment, share it with your friends, you know, Click the bell, whatever, wherever you may be. Or rate, wherever, yeah, rate and review us on the old Apple Podcast. Yes, if you if you do the Apple Podcast, that is extremely helpful. And we know from our metrics that many of you who listen do indeed use the Apple Podcast. So give us the old five snake review <laughs> and uh, and such like. And if you're a YouTuber, no, that's not the right way to talk about it. If if you watch the YouTube. If you're a watcher of YouTube things, not if you're a YouTuber. Or maybe you're both. Uh, just, you know, subscribe and, and click the bell. I'm going to stop talking. My <laughs> mouth is clearly on the fritz today. Oh, dear. Um, you need to drink some more royal milk tea, Doc. I think that'll freshen you right up. Totally. Um, but yeah, if you would uh, take the time to do that, I would immensely appreciate it. And uh, speaking on behalf of Doc here, um, thank you very much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our talk about Jula Richard, which... Like I say, I think that to conclude from my part, um, we are admittedly only two episodes in. Maybe the skit will wear thin in the end. Maybe I'll get to the point where, like, okay, this is like the fifth time this gem and this like process of craft <laughs> jewel crafting like has been used to make a character point, and I'm bored. Can we move on to something else? Um, maybe that'll happen. I don't know. I'll see how I feel about it wearing out, but it will not. I predict it will not happen. Quite possible. I think you could be right. I mean. For what otherwise seems like a very niche, like, you know, um, hobby or area of study, such as jewel craft uh, and gemology, 
I think that, you know, the material itself is making good use of that to try and expand into characters-related stuff, because... Like totally. I say, like I say, you know, jewelry, you know, it has two sets of values assigned to it. There's the fiscal value. How much is this worth when appraised if I were to sell it on the open market? But what I think is key to know, and what I think the author of Jeweler Rich is getting at here, that I fairly really like, is that gems have stories associated with them as well. Stories that can either be, in the case of the first episode, ones of lineage, like you know, passing down from person to person. I mean, what, are we going to get a story, for example, about like a stolen gem, for example, like one with a bloody history? I wonder how that will play out. There's a Didn't, lot. Of potential... Wasn't that the first one? We well, when I when I say stolen, when, when I say stolen, I mean like where things are much darker than that. Like you know, I see a, a story of violence, for example. I mean, mm -hmm. one of the one of Sherlock's uh, stories uh, that was adapted to one of the earliest uh, films was the Pearl of Death, which was a gemstone that traded hands so many times and was called the Pearl of Death because no one person could hold on to it for so long. Mm. Um, that would be a, a neat fit for this. That you know, uh, there's plenty of possibility, and I'm very curious to see what it comes up with next. Uh, but I'm also yeah. thinking this show thus far has been quite underrated. I certainly don't think mm -hmm. it's better than either. I, I certainly don't think it's better than Isaacan, not by a fair shot. I wouldn't put it in that league, but I think that people need to definitely give this one a look and give it a chance. And I'll grant, as I say, that, you know, like, there are a lot of surface elements to it that might be off-putting, and I'm not going to tell people not to watch if they're not into it. Uh, sorry, to watch if they're not into it, of course. Um, what's, I don't know what's off-putting about it, honestly. Well, it's like I say, like, you know, surface elements. I'm talking, like, you know, you can read it as queer-basing, for example, if you wanted to, if you weren't willing to go any further than that. You can, like, get bored of the gem stuff quickly. It depends on what level you want to, like, examine it, but I reckon if you go deep enough into it, there's a really, really rewarding uh, set of content here and set of, like, characters ideas and stories thus far and i'm curious to see what comes up next yeah i think it's really neat that clearly the author is such a big mineralogy fan mm. right and then that that you could be a fan of all aspects of something and enthusiast to such a degree that you would extrapolate pieces of it and use that to create characters and character arcs you know, yeah. I feel like that's how the the glove is fitting so nicely between these characters and the gems that they bring in because the they were reverse engineered, the characters were from the gem and its qualities or processes or origin or whatever. Mm. Um, but that's cool. That's really neat. Um, I like that as a um, a way to bring us the audience into the the wonders and the joys and the uh, the interest of mineralogy. Damn skippy. All right, uh, I'll let you take it out then, Doc. Hmm. I just took a sip, you bastard. All right. So you betrayed me again in the end. <laughs> we'll More maniacal laughter. <laughs> um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Patrons, we love you. Uh, freeloaders, we love you too. And uh, yeah, that's it. Until next time. Uh, we got more Azokin on the way. We got more Jeweler Richard on the way. We've got the Alita Battle Angel show coming up. We've got mm -hmm. a couple of patron uh, request shows coming up. I am in the process of, uh, I'm about halfway through editing one on Kino's Journey and Evangelion. Shadon is working on one for the anime, the often overlooked anime Flag, mm -hmm. the obscure mid-aughts mecha series. Uh, be on the lookout for those and uh you know pop on over to the patreon and see if there's anything you like but until next time folks he should on i'm the subtle doctor 
And for us at Waterway Jazz Show, we say, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. <laughs>